Hello and welcome to Mavs Plain, where every day of the week we break down a question, event, news, or trend. My name is Bobby Corella. I am with Mavs Digital. Joining me today on kind of a bittersweet day. It's a little bit sad, but also uh, we kind of have a chance to look back and, and share some really fond memories. The day that Vince Carter announces his retirement from the NBA. Joining me to uh, shed a few sports tears is Mike Marshall. What's up, Machine? Hey, buddy. Yeah, it is a little bit of a sad day. You don't like to see any of your basketball dads retire. Um, but obviously, Vince has been doing some broadcasting over the years, kind of softening that landing, making his exit ramp. So I, I don't think we're done seeing Vince Carter uh, anytime soon. And I love that. Um, I'm a huge fan of that man and his career and what he stands for, and particularly his time in Dallas. Um, so uh, great career. Um Happy for him. Not happy that it ended this exact way. Uh, if you had to write it a little bit different, but uh, love talking about Vince Sanity. So excited for this, man. His career arc is so interesting. A guy who came into the NBA with a lot of hype and lived up to it and exceeded it. He was a superstar almost immediately. I remember back in 99, 2000, whenever he was really young, you know, first, second, third year in the league. Anytime he came to Dallas, you know, the Mavs still weren't good by this point, but those games were lit because everybody wanted to see Vinsanity. And he was just incredible for his first few years in Toronto and, uh, you know, perennial all-star, all-NBA type player, and then kind of left in sort of bad terms, went to the Nets, had some great seasons, and, uh, you know, maintained a level of excellence playing with Jason Kidd and then wound up jumping around from Phoenix to Orlando and then came to Dallas where he willingly accepted a sixth man role and was a key contributor on good teams here and then so you know as he aged and ultimately you know most importantly uh before he retired you know he and Toronto kind of came back on good terms I think everybody kind of let bygones be bygones I don't know if that was more the fans or him or the organization or what I think it was probably a little bit of all three but um you know he he started as a superstar and then so gracefully transitioned from the guy to really important guy to important veteran presence on young teams and just was so classy and just every, everything about him was just so I don't know he's just so cool man he's so cool and um, I'm really happy that he was kind of able to succeed in all levels of his basketball career his career is fascinating um, just I don't know if we'll see another one quite like it I mean 22 seasons is that accurate 22 um yeah, I mean, he came in and he was so fun to watch when he was at North Carolina. I remember those North Carolina teams. It was him and Antoine Jamison, right? And they ended up getting traded for each other in draft night, which just blew my mind when I was 12 years old. I was like, how could you do that? Um, and then, you know, he comes in and he's a lot like, you know, a lot of dudes that came out. He was he was a two-guard. He was a shooting guard, score first. Um, and I thought he was kind of this this old breed of of 90s shooting guard um guys that were taken in the same draft like larry hughes right larry hughes didn't have much longevity uh because larry hughes was kind of score first never developed like you know um any kind of passing any kind of three-point shooting consistency and that's the thing that i thought vince would have like a nice 10-year career right um and we'll see you later and it'll probably be cool and it'll probably you know probably wash out probably a second contract guy right you wash out of your first spot, land in a second spot, and you probably achieve a little bit better because you take less of a role and start realizing what winning basketball is about. But Vince developed a three pretty quickly. 
And I think that has a lot to do with his longevity in this league, right? Taking north of four threes and hitting, you know, he's had, he had multiple seasons of knocking down 40% from three. Um, for a dude that was that athletic and could get you on your heels in a second, that's the difference, right, between Steve Francis and Vince Carter, between a lot of these 90s players that just kind of had um, perfectly flawed games but were super fun to watch. Vince was willing to evolve. And, you know, I don't know what happened to Toronto. I have, I have no idea what, what fell apart up there. Um, he was iconic, though, in that Raptors old-school dino jersey, man. Um, I loved Vince Carter. I loved watching him when he came into the league. I loved watching him just in practice do crazy dunks. Um, Sean Kemp got me into basketball, right? Michael Jordan was like, oh, my God, what is this? This this kept me around. And then Dirk and Vince Carter, honestly, were the two guys that made me obsessed with basketball. I was like, these are guys I can root for. That's That's the kind of athlete I want to be, you know, associated with. And Vince was almost like that that meld of of Sean Kemp and, and Michael Jordan and flawed in like this perfect way of not quite as good, um, you know, as as Kobe or somebody like that. But Vince, had, what a ridiculous career, man! Um, my first obsessive moment about Vince, which little background on me, whenever whenever someone would come into the league, and I was like I was twelve at this time, I was so obsessed with basketball that. Um, I would get the top five picks. I would get their jersey. Like every year, I would have all the jerseys. Like I got a Joe Smith jersey somewhere, a Warriors Joe Smith. That is um, a valuable jersey. I hope you hold <laughs> yeah. on to that one. That's what I would do for my birthday and for Christmas, right? And so I definitely had a, I had a VC, I had a Insanity, uh, Dino Purple Toronto. Uh, and then the second year, he makes the All Star team, right? And I don't know what the rules were on can you be in the dunk contest if you weren't an All Star, blah, 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 all that stuff, whatever. That changes and that shifts. Um, but you knew Vince was going to do the dunk contest his second season. So 2000 All-Star game. And, man, I made my entire family sit in the living room, watch that whole damn thing. And it took forever. I mean, when you're a kid, I don't know, It's you could watch a dunk contest for four hours and you wouldn't care. You could watch a home run derby for four hours. If you're an adult, you're like... There is so much dead time in this. It's kind of a beating. <laughs> yeah, and you got to watch it. They try each dunk like five times, but all you remember is the one they, ones they make, right? Whenever you're 12 years old. But So Vince does that um, that dunk contest. And I we had just moved to um, Van Alstine. Like this was right after we moved to Van Alstine. So moving from South Dallas, 5A school, Martin High School, to 2A school, Van Alstine, uh, in the middle of like a bunch of farmland. And I was the new kid, and I was different than everybody because I was from South Arlington, and I didn't have a lot of friends. And what got me in with everybody was I had a basketball hoop. I had, like, a good basketball hoop in my driveway. And so my driveway was, like, <laughs> 2A Farmville Rucker Park. Like, I would invite <laughs> every kid, anybody from any city that wanted to come hoop. I'm like, we'll see you in the driveway. Like, pull up. Um, and so that's a little background on, like, what my mentality was at that point. So whenever Vince did this dunk contest, it was probably like 10 at night. I literally turned the lights on in the driveway, make my mom pull her car back, turn the headlights on in the driveway, and I try every one of these dunks. I tried every single one. Lower the rim down to seven feet. Yeah. You know, crank yeah, the rim down. And- rim's down about eight and a half uh, feet, and I'm 
jumping and trying to do the honey dip and the the cookie jar and man i came inside the next morning my right forearm is just bruised just gnarly man just scratched and purple and you know i'd explain to everybody for about two weeks that you know and like probably sat out of football practice because i just had like these welts on my arm just had to explain to everybody like i try to replicate all the vince carter dunks in my driveway so get over it (laughs) it's an iconic performance man i mean that's it, it will kind of stand the test of time the reverse windmill 360 is like mj's jump from the free throw line you know yep. it's just an it's an all-time nba moment and he did all of those things back to back to back to back going elbow to the rim i mean just the entire the entire performance was so flawless but he saved the dunk contest he did well and and everybody's been trying to live up to that since then and you know aaron gordon and zach levine have come close with all their you know their battles over the years and everything but i mean that that vince thing was just um it was singular you know it was singular and I'm, i'm glad earlier on you said that he developed a three-point shot and everything because there was so much more to his game than just the athleticism. He's an excellent scorer from all over the floor. Uh, he could make plays. I mean, even like, even in 2014, whenever he's like 35, 36 years old or however old he was by the time he came to Dallas, he was still running pick and rolls and like doing it very well and creating for others and facilitating. And, you know, I mean, he could make like bounce passes at odd angles to, to pass guys open. I mean, he could really just play the game uh he could play two three four I mean he could do anything you wanted he was so so talented I mean I guess he is so he's still way better than you or me but um I mean just he could really really play basketball and um I mean the the dunking was like a bonus I I guess that's what kind of gave him the sex appeal and, and the name value and everything but I mean, beneath that, there was a real, like, basketball savant, genius, Hall of Fame caliber player there. And some people are just born cool. Like, and you know it when you Dude, see he's it. so cool. Like, Vince Carter was born cool. Like, he he stepped out the crib, like, just cooler than hell. And he's always been cool. And he's never, like, tried that hard. He just, like, acts like himself, right? I've never watched Vince Carter and just been like, hey, bro, turn it down a little bit. Like, he's just being himself. He's a nice guy, loves to smile, loves to laugh, and clearly loves to play basketball um, for 22 years. And, you know, people will say he never won one. You know, he doesn't have the title. Um, In the last couple of years, you know, he's played on what you would call, you know, non-competitive bad teams. Um, But, I mean, he was probably the second best player in that Nets team. Uh, that went to the finals with Jay Kidd, Kenny Martin. He wasn't there. He wasn't there when it when they oh, went wasn't to there? the finals. No, no, okay. he wasn't. Uh, he came. He came after that. But was it right after that? Okay. Well, yeah. they were still pretty dang good. Um, and then the Orlando Magic year, right? Whenever it was uh, Kobe versus Dwight Howard, um, he was just on the cusp of like getting into that Western Conference elite. But he was in the East, right? <laughs> so he wasn't. He was good. He was, he was elite in the East. In the West, we still had like some stuff we could throw at him. That just mm, sorry, bud, you're not quite there yet. But he's just one of the coolest dudes I've ever known, I've ever met, um, and one of the most entertaining basketball players. Dude, when there's a fast break, when a, when there's a live ball turnover, and Vince Carter's on the court, like you just hold your breath until like that either the fast break stalls or 
until Vince is down there windmilling and then revving it up. Like developing the rev up thing <laughs> was really, really good, good touch by him in Dallas because um, he he's so fun and he just like you automatically want to scream whenever you watch Vince Carter play, right? Uh, his his three point shot is cool. Like he has like a cool motion to it. His dunks are awesome, and you're just like, this is what a, this is what basketball should look and like. And his shots just and, he shoots with a really kind of high arc, and so it's always mm-hmm. a splash when he makes it. It's yeah. always a swish, which yeah. is even cooler. Yeah, like yeah. nobody wants to rim a shot in. His just goes right through the net every time. Yeah, and we got to spend you know three seasons watching him up close and personal here, um, and I've never heard anybody say a bad word about him. One like. He was the ultimate to me, um, had some baggage, but it, I don't know why I could never pinpoint why, but he was one of the first guys that I thought, okay, I don't care really what's happened in other places. And I know as well as anybody, we moved around a lot when I was a kid. When you move somewhere, that's your opportunity to be a new person. You take the things you learned, you take who you want to be and you start applying it because it's a fresh start, right? That's one of the first guys that I was like, I mean, Jet probably the same way, Monte the same way, guys that I was like, just because their last team didn't want them and they didn't fit in quite right doesn't mean they can't be effective here. Um, New location, new person, right? Um, So don't carry all that. It's all about future production, not past production, and that feeds into this, right? Same thing, future personality, who you want to be here. Do you want to be a leader now? Now that you're in Dallas, and I think that's a yes. I think it's a resounding yes for those years he was here. Um, and I think his contract situation here was kind of confusing, too. I think they had, like, a soft agreement on terms. Um, and, I, and he's talked about this, so it's not like I'm, you know, spilling some tea. But um, they had a soft agreement on terms. And then the Mavs went out and did one or two other moves that to make them better. Um I don't know if it was, I don't remember the exact formula of the roster that year, but um, that offseason, he had came to us early. We'd agree to like, you know, whatever, 10 million a year or something for three years. And then whenever it came time for Vince to come back and sign, we only had so much money left. So we got Vince Carter on like a, whatever it was like mid-level money for like three years or whatever it ended up being. And he would, he would talk about it and he would just kind of like laugh. He's like, yeah, worked out that way. <laughs> Wasn't like a vindictive guy. It was just kind of like, you know, I wanted to be here and... Um, some of the money dried up and, you know, still happy to be here. It doesn't really matter that much. Um, but I remember talking to him at that media day whenever he got added and I was like, that's not, y'all tell me this guy's the boogeyman. Like Bill Simmons told me this is the boogeyman. Like, and he's not at all. Yeah. He just kind of, he changed perception, but also I think too, part of it is like when you're young and extremely rich and extremely popular and successful and very good at what you do and you're playing for a team that isn't as good as you, I, there's going to be friction there. I mean, that that happens all the time in every sport, really in every profession and in every industry in the world. And I'm I'm really happy that everything was able to kind of resolve itself over the course of years because, you know, for whatever reason, he, w- he achieved villain status, but now he's, like, revered by every coach, player, GM. Dude, he's getting, like not quite the Dirk treatment where he's getting standing ovations everywhere because he's like one of the 15 best players of all time or anything, but like he's right there. He is so universally loved that, um, I don't know. I mean, there, what we saw of him has to be true. 
Like it, it can't yep. be. It's not a. It's not an act or anything. I mean, that guy is legitimately, um, a, just a, he's just a stud, man. He's just a stud. Yep. I, I don't know what else to say. Um, His okay. contract here was three years, nine million dollars total, which is. That's it was crazy. a different. It was a different time back then. The cap was yeah. like half of what it is now. So double that, basically. Yeah. He was making like six million a year in twenty twenty money. I mean, it's yeah, to, it's, it's it's mid level. Like yeah, it's mid level money. Six man of the year candidate a couple times. Yeah, so not bad. Yeah, not bad. And then last year, so uh, I think Dirk had just came back um, from his his ankle situation, right? And the Hawks were coming through town. And he does everything. Everybody knows he does a. He's at a podcast, winging it for uh, the Ringer or ESPN or whatever. Um, and it was at the time it was him and him and uh, Ken Bazemore, um, and they were rolling into town. And you know they do it through some of the Hawks people. Um, I think Annie Finberg is on there still. She's works for the Hawks and she does social for them, and she helps host it and you know facilitate it. And they needed somebody to help, basically. Hey, we're on the road. We need to pull off a podcast. Do you know a way we can do it? Um, and I said, yeah. I was like, yeah. Um, you know, I can either hook you up with some people at the ticket or I can come do the engineering for it, whatever you want. And they said, well, can we just meet you at the radio station? And I was like, sure. So, you know, I'm, I show up at the ticket. Um, I got a production room and I, you know, cleared everything out and got it all ready and got headsets for everyone and blah, blah, blah. And I'm, you know, waiting up in the prediction, uh, production room and I get a phone call on my phone and I'm looking down and it's some number I don't know. I'm like, I guess it's probably like Annie or somebody. And I answer and it's, it's Vince. And he's like, Hey man, we're downstairs. Um, and I'd never talked to him before that moment. Um, they just had relayed our information back and forth. And he's like, Hey man, we're downstairs. What side of victory Plaza are you on? I'm like, Oh, the, you know, the West side closest to the highway. And he's like, Oh, cool, cool. And he comes out and, I meet him, I meet Bazemore, um, and they are two of the nicest, coolest dudes I've ever met in the league, honestly. Bazemore is funny. Bazemore, Bazemore is super funny because um, he's kind of quiet and like reserved, but when he says something, like it's a punchline every time. Um, and Vince, I'm just chatting with him the whole way up there, and I get in to the control room, and there he's on his phone or something, you know, organizing something last second or getting Dirk on, you know, um, was the goal. Um and he was lining Dirk's thing up, and I'm over there listening to music, and he's like, hey, what do you listen to? And I was like, oh, you know, I don't know. It's probably Run the Jewels or something like that. And he's like, yeah, send me that. Um, and we just talked for like 15 minutes before actually the podcast starting, just chopping it up, just talking about nonsense, um, about the Mavs and his time here and, and Dirk. And, you know, he trained with Holger um, whenever Holger would be in town. Like he would just do whatever Holger, Holger told him to. And he said Holger helped him like find that arc on his shot um, that he used so often late in his career, uh, just with different training tactics. And it was fascinating, dude. Like I felt like I'd made like there's not that many people you meet instantly and you kind of vibe with and you're impressed by and you get along with. And he was definitely one of those dudes. Um, and now we live together, actually. So <laughs> now you're best friends. <laughs> it, it worked uh, out okay. The first one-on-one like by myself interview that I ever did with an NBA player was with Vince Carter no pressure little 22 year old (laughs) little boy uh here's just one of the best players ever uh don't mess up and of course you know I'm like a 
I'm an idiot even today, but back then I was even dumber. You know, I'm all nervous, like, oh, what do you think about sports? And uh, <laughs> he was just the coolest dude ever. We talked for, I don't know, probably like he was uh, – the Mavs were doing, each player was coming in doing, like, cryotherapy or something. So while they were in the machine, I was just, like, you know, asking, like, oh, what does it feel like, you know, like, trying to get him to tell jokes, basically. And then Vince came in, and we started talking about that. And then we just started talking about other stuff. And then, like, 45 minutes later, he's like, all right, I got to go, you know, get a thing. But we're just talking for, like, 30, 45 minutes just about stuff, just about basketball, his role, his memories, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It was the coolest thing ever. And then after the next game... I went up to him in the locker room. I was like, hey, Vince, you know, thank you for the time. And he was like, no, thank you. And I was like, I love you. I love you so much. <laughs> You're the best. You're yeah, the just best. just a good dude. Just a good dude. For a dude that had been doing it 20 years that by that time, by the time, like, I got to meet him, right? Yeah, and he just to wasn't. Not, to not be beaten down by it at yeah. all. Like, yeah, he was just, he's so comfortable just being a, just being a dude, just being a bro. Just yeah. dudes being bros, man. Of course, we're bearing the lead by taking 20 minutes to talk about the outside of the dunk contest, probably the signature Vince Carter moment, uh, yeah. or certainly one of them in his career. Uh, April 26, 2014, American Airlines Center, game three of the first round between the Mavs and the Spurs. In one of the best played games in that building's history, for my money, um, probably the second best basketball game I've ever seen in my life in person. Back and forth the whole way down the stretch. It's just, it's so close, so nerve-wracking. Dallas finds the ball. Dallas finds itself with the ball down two with just a few seconds left. And they'd run this play all season long where Monte comes off and curls off like a double or even a triple screen. Catch it going away from the inbounds pass. Calderon loops like, you know, a little 30, 40 foot uh, leading pass to Monte who catches it on the curl, squares away. And uh, fires from the top of the didn't, key. They'd run that play five times all season. Didn't he beat the Bucks on a game winner that that uh, year with that play? Uh, it was the I think it was the last second. I'm, the Bucks was the next season, but it might he might have oh, run okay. that play for the Bucks. But uh, they did it against the Blazers, against the Grizzlies. Um, another game. It might have been the Bucks that season. I mean, Monte was money in the fourth quarter that year. I mean, he was he was incredible and. At that stage in Dirk's career, he was kind of a little, just a, you know, he was 37 or whatever. He was just a little stiff to create his shot in one second, you know, to get a good shot. And so this was just a quick hit play. They'd never run anything else out, outside of that action. Um, but this is Greg Popovich. This is the Spurs. The 2014 Spurs are one of the best teams of our lifetime. So good and uh, so well coached, veteran players and everything. So you're not going to fool them with, with that crap. And so... Rick Carlisle introduces a little wrinkle in the huddle during the timeout, setting up that play, saying, Vince, if you roll to the corner after you set your screen, the pass will be there because they're going to take away that pass to Monte. So if you go against the grain of the defense, you will be open. Sure enough, Vince screens. He fades to the corner. Ginobili is right in his face. He wasn't open, but it was a clean catch, and Vince pump faked, got off the shot, and drained it at the buzzer. Mavs win 109-108 to take a 2-1 series lead on the eventual champions. Uh, but yep. in that moment, not only was it redemption for Vince, who had missed a similar shot at a game winner some 10 years earlier, I think even in the Eastern Conference Finals while still playing with, I believe, the Nets. It might have been the Raptors. But um, it gave the impression, it made you believe that this number eight seed might do the unthinkable not only knock off the number one seed, but that the Mavs would beat the Spurs, that the Spurs who won 60 games, they're going to go down to this ragtag bunch of 
aging vets and guys on minimum deals. I mean, Sam Dallenbear is your starting center. Vince Carter is your sixth man. Dirk is 37, and he's your best player. Monte is just this guy, this enigma of a personality, and, and they might get it done. But, Brandon um, Wright, Jay Crowder. Like, watching that – I mean, that, that obviously played the other night on Fox and watching uh, – the celebration and just trying to name everybody that was running off the bench. <laughs> you got Ricky Lito, like, Dewan Blair. Whoa. I mean, that that team was yeah, just full of D Blair personalities, man. I mean, Devin Harris was in his first season, uh, you know, post New Jersey, where things had just been weird in New Jersey uh, during that time. And you know, Jose Calderon was your starting point guard, and I mean, like Sean Marion was in his second to last season. Like this was not a Western Conference playoff team. You know, conventionally yeah. speaking, and yet here Whenever they are like trying to f- figure out how to get Dewan Blair more minutes because he's really giving them hell. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, he got I don't think your ambitions are and that cost him the super series. high. I mean, I know that series does not make sense. It didn't make sense back then. It does not make sense now. It was just a master class uh, of coaching by Vince Car- by Rick Carlisle. Uh, Vince Carter came up big. Dirk came up big. Monte Ellis was enormous in that series. Just all around, it was just just a a magical team and and that moment that shot kind of encapsulated the entire season like none of this should be happening none of these players should be doing what they're doing Dirk almost went 50 40 90 that season I mean it was none of that made sense at all whatsoever and yet here they are Vince freaking Carter buries a three at the buzzer an impossible shot to win the game and it's just it's it's one of the most iconic shots in Mavs history for sure, but certainly in one in Vince's career and maybe even in the history of the playoffs. I mean, I don't want to get all ridiculous and, and, and go for hyperbole, but I mean, that's where, that's where we're at, man. It was, it's one of the most famous shots ever. Yeah. So what I was doing that night was, uh, I was working at, uh, TXA 21 CBS 11. It's the same thing, right? Same building. Um, and, so I was, I had been doing the high school football show and everyone there knew I was like the biggest basketball junkie on staff by far. And what happens at the end of the season is your, your RSN, your regional sports network doesn't have, you know, the last three or four games of a regular season and they don't have the rights to, uh, the playoff games because they have to be broadcast somewhere where people can get them outside of cable on, uh, on local TV. So, Needless to say, we're doing something that you don't you do like once a year, right? It's like people like um, have this idea of like what voting is like, and it's like, well, you didn't vote. You last time you voted was two years ago. You don't really remember how everything works, right? Um, so each year we'd have to like knock off the rust of, okay, how do we do a basketball pre and post game show? Like who's doing it? Like, and I basically told them I was like, I'm doing these pre and post game shows. And I had no right to tell anybody anything. Like, I'd been there, like, two years and literally did the high school football show and helped out with editing. And I was like, I'm doing these. And they were like, okay, well, that's fine. If you if you can edit, like, half the stuff and produce the show uh, in the booth, um, you know, we'll give you one other editor. Um, and usually, just for background, there are three editors on a Fox pre- and post-game show. And then there's a producer and usually, like, an entire studio crew, right? Um, so we're trying to do what Fox was doing with 1.5 people basically. And, um, 
so I'm cutting highlights. You know, they're going back and forth. I'm like, you know, let's just cut this whole fourth quarter uh, run here, this back and forth that's happening. And I can't remember the exact box score of the game. Um, I think uh, Vince only had like 11, I think, that game. Um, Dirk had a pretty good one. Um, I'll pull up the box here in a second. But um, So needless to say, Vince he hits that three. And you can't start off the show with anything else, right? <laughs> you can't start off the show talking about how Dewan Blair gave you good minutes just because you cut it 30 minutes ago. Like, he hits that shot, and I have to jump out of this edit bay, sprint into, like, the control room, jump on one of these EVS machines, both the EVS machines, and rewind, 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 roll, 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 roll pause, right, whenever the ball's about to go in bounds, jump over to the other EVS machine, rewind, 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 pause on the other angle on the replay um and this was this is old school like this is 2014 but it sounds like it's like 1985 some reason um and i'd have to be in the control room and i would be like okay the show's starting in 30 seconds um making sure all my tapes are online so whenever i hit play they actually show up um and so you know we start off the show and i'm having to go roll evs1 and i'm like crossfader dvs2 it's like so manual like feel like you're running like a like a boat on the ocean or something um as analog as it got because whenever you're in last second like that the only thing that's going to do that is like an actual tape that you are rewinding um and having to make play so it was it was a big learning moment of um how to how to handle the the crazy nature of a last second win in a control room and you know while you're editing everything while you're like the only person in the building that night besides like just the studio crew who's just gonna like we're gonna run cameras and stuff they're not gonna you know what are they gonna do for you um so that was Jeez. one of the big <laughs> well i mean they, <laughs> they, they might can't be listening do anything. to this they can't fix your tapes like if you didn't edit anything get the tapes in there they can't do anything for true. you true okay. okay you know what i mean they've got their job it's not that um, they're worthless it's just they're helpless no. No, they just do a completely different job than you do. Gotcha. And like okay. you see, you see each other once you walk into the control room, and you're like, "Hey, everyone, we good?" You know, and that's it. That's basically it. Um, and so it was one of those. It was a big moment. Number one, that was like incredible. That was I'll never forget that shot as long as I live. Um, but that was a huge moment for me of like I can do this. Like that was the most hectic forty five minutes I've ever lived through. <laughs> And I don't think anybody noticed it was hectic. Nobody watching was like, holy crap, what's going on here? Wheels are flying off. Um, and I think we had Babe and Steve Dennis hosting, and we had a reporter on site um, who I think got Vince outside the locker room afterwards. And it was just, it was incredible, man. It was uh, it was an experience as someone that, you know, uh, works in TV. That's the kind of stuff you live for. Um, you live for that moment of absolute panic. Uh, and it was, it was cool. It was, it was a, something I'll never forget. And one of the bigger reasons why I kept doing this, you know, so that's a magical my way Carter. to end a magical night. 29 yeah, for Monte, was, 18 for Dirk, 16 yeah. points and nine assists for the immortal Jose Calderon. And that Vince shot <laughs> was his only three of the night. He was over two yep. before that three for eight for the game. So he was two for seven, dude. He was having a bad game going into that yeah. shot and yet here he is stepping up and pump faking Manu into the stands and uh yeah. maybe he's shuffling his feet a little bit but the last two minute <laughs> report didn't exist back then so who cares you know he's yeah, just gonna matter. nail the shot and it does um, not matter and it was at home and he was basically in the stands like every replay you see like he's like he's just in the stands you can't even see his whole body 
Yeah. His, you know? his heels were hovering. He, he was on his tiptoes. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, he would have been out of bounds. I mean, yeah. the entire play. But, again, it's just none of it should happen. Should you have been hosting that TV show or producing? Probably not. Should Vince not. have been take, even taken that shot? No. I mean, no. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't – some things are, uh, you know, I, I, I guess some, some big things happen to big people. Vince is big. You less so, but – uh, Vince, Vince deserved it. He he rose to the occasion, and so did I. Same level, basically. Yeah, pretty much. same. Almost I, I often exact call same. you the Vince Carter of uh, production. Yeah. yeah, that's what that's what I demand. Yeah, it's the first conversation whenever you get hired. Do you do you think of what do you think about Vince Carter? You yeah. you asked me that before, actually. So. Do you think I'm like Vince Carter? How much am I like Vince yeah. Carter? <laughs> yeah, scale scale of one to ten. Really, Vince, or like only kind of Vince? Yeah. Yep. All right, good yeah. stuff, Mike. Uh, Vince Carter, poor one out to you, man. Incredible career. Um, incredible person. Incredible best friend of mine mm-hmm. and Mike's. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ever want to come on to the show, just let us know. If you want to come work for us. Honestly? Hey. Honestly? <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. Uh, hey. we we have uh, we could create an opening. I mean, yeah, we could create an opening. Uh, we'll any uh, any any final words for uh, for Vince or for myself or for the listeners uh, before we get out of here? Um, nothing too um, you know astounding to say. Just everyone stay safe um, and uh, happy for Vince, man. Happy for his career. Glad I got to witness it. Glad I'm that perfect age of wonderment of being 13 whenever that dunk contest came along. Because if you're if you're into the NBA and you didn't really get to experience that, you're missing something pretty pivotal, man. Um, so feel lucky for that, and uh, yeah, happy for that dude. He's he's gonna. We're not done seeing, listening to, watching Vince on TV, right? He's already been doing. Um, media stuff better than just about anybody <laughs> for a while now. Um, so whatever job he wants, he he's going to have it. Um, I'd love for it to be in Dallas. Um, I'd love to have an excuse to hang out with Vince Carter more. Um, Jet, Jet's gone. Jet, Jet's working for Arizona now. Yep. So we got some openings yep, that's around, true. The, around the place. I don't want to speak on behalf of Fox Sports Southwest, but, but yeah. you know. Um, also, um, I was going to say something and I forgot what I was going to say, Mike. That's kind of <laughs> oh, embarrassing. No. Oh my Damn God. It. What was I going to say? Mike! Happens, happens to the best of us. Mike, oh yeah. Probably we're something be, about Vince Carter. He's going to be the soundtrack of the finals. I mean, he'll be, he's yeah. destined for big things, man. I mean, what, whenever yeah. you and I are old and gray and we're, whatever, we've been out of the NBA for 30 years because we're washed, Vince is mm-hmm. still going to be calling game seven of the nba finals and he's going to be doing an awesome job I I mean, if, so, if that's man. what he wants if he wants to coach i'm sure he could coach but if he wants to go into broadcasting dude he will be on he will be on someone's a team by the time the mavs go to the finals in next season yeah, better hurry up because october's october's soon that's true that's true yeah, he, yeah he's got two months yeah. to learn man. he's got two months to learn oh and, and one 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 final thing number one everyone stay safe right you know how to do that i don't need to lecture you on that um number two we're getting really close to basketball 
we are, man. We're getting really close to basketball, we and I don't are. know if y'all if y'all realize what um, the last hundred and ten days has been like for you boys, but just kind of swimming in the abyss is not a fun way to live professionally. Um, it just kind of takes a toll on you. So for me, just to like think of guys practicing and uh, the possibility to cover that and share that with people is like, hell yeah, let's do that. And then, you know, games are right around the corner and Orlando's <laughs> on the schedule pretty soon. So, man, I'm, I, I really enjoy doing my job for the last hundred days. I don't feel like I've gotten to do my job much, you know? Yep. So really excited to get going, man. And, and practices will be happening soon. Very July soon. First. Starting next week, there are going to be uh, organized team activities, which means there will be press conferences. So you'll be able to see these guys. You'll be able to hear from them. Uh, so follow Dallas Mavs on YouTube. So give us a subscribe over there. You'll see all the videos first before anybody else. Uh, obviously, follow us on Instagram, Twitter. You'll see all that stuff there, too. Uh, Facebook, if that's still your thing. Uh, we're everywhere. Mm-hmm. TikTok. I can't promise that practice audio will find its way on TikTok, but there is good stuff on TikTok. It uh, might. And then uh, as early as Friday, we might know who exactly we're playing. Maybe. The, the eight games leading up to the playoffs. Maybe. So it's going to be a saying. big, it's going to be a big, uh, however many hours are in a week. How, how many hours are in a week? 198? 24 times seven. That would be one, 188. 168. 168? Yeah. yeah. It's going to be a big 168 hours for your, for the old Mavs. Mm-hmm. So uh, so keep it locked. And and we'll be with you every step of the way, too, if I uh, if I may plug on Mavs Plane. We will be uh, – every day of the week we're going to be breaking down some of this stuff. So once practice starts, we'll, we'll let you know. If the team makes any moves, we'll let you know about that. Uh, schedule coming out, we'll, we'll be all over that stuff, too. So uh, it's going to be a big time. And it's going to be a big time to be a Mavs fan. And um, – you will find out everything you need to know and more if you just subscribe to Maps Plane. So please do so. iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, anywhere, uh, Himalaya, wherever you listen to podcasts, Space. you'll find us. So give us that sub. Give us that sub. Give us that Give us that five-star rating or four stars, too, if, if you're feeling you know kind of like lukewarm. Uh, and, we, and we'll do our best to get you to do five. Do five stars for the ones I'm on. Uh, fi- five stars for the ones Mike's on. And also mm-hmm. for the ones that I'm on, that's m- many of them. Uh, too many of Almost them. Almost all. If uh, if I do say so myself, we need to uh, we need to, we need to get some new hosts in here, like Vince Carter. Yeah, like Vince Sanity. Yeah, let's get Vince. Let's get Dirk. Let's slap them together. Give them a podcast. I'll do everything. They can just be the talent. Yeah. All right, we'll be. It'll be, uh, we'll it'll be, be called back. the guys drafted after Michael Olowa Candy. That'll be the name of the podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Both outside the, the top five, dra- right? Or no? Was Vince? Vince was five. Vince was fifth? Yeah. Man. The guys drafted after Michael Oloa Candy and Rafe LaFrance. Dude, Vince Carter, Paul Pierce, Dirk Nowitzki, all in the same yeah. draft. None of them even in the top four. That's White bad. chocolate. Where was Antoine Jameson? Was he fourth or sixth? He's fourth. He was fourth? And yeah. he had a great career. But. Oh, yeah. That dude was really good. But. I mean, to get all yeah. four of those guys and none of them goes number one, I mean, what are we doing, man? Yeah. What are we doing? That's Almost like Luca big... being the third pick. Just ridiculous. <laughs> As crazy. Just As out of your mind crazy. Ridiculous. 
Okay. Thank you for listening, Mike. Thank you for joining me. This is Mavs Plane. Like yeah. I said, please subscribe. Leave a like, rate, review, share with friends. Watch us on YouTube. Do everything that you always do. Just keep doing more of it. And we will be back with you tomorrow. See ya. See ya.